I think one thing the pandemic has done, it's shown the importance of some of these careers. Uh, we all, I think, recognize a skilled worker that we need to keep the economy going, to keep us healthy, to keep us safe. Uh, and I think we maybe look at this far differently than we did 18 months ago, particularly with frontline workers, with logistic workers. Uh, we need to have the, the mechanics and the industrial workers there to keep the food shipments going, to keep the economy moving forward. You're listening to Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, I speak with the CEO of Skills Ontario, Ian Howcroft, to get his thoughts on the state of the skilled trades in Ontario. According to their website, Skills Ontario's goal is, quote, to champion and stimulate the development of world-class technological and employability skills in Ontario youth. And they're pretty good at it. Since COVID-19 hit, they've had to pivot their communications and outreach operations to be more digital than ever before. And the skills competitions they're running today represent a wide array of the kinds of skills that Ontario is in need of. They're a smart group. They know what they're doing, which makes sense since they were founded in 1989. Now, the fact that they were founded in 1989 kind of threw me for a loop when I first learned that fact. I'm well aware of the challenges of finding good talent in manufacturing. I know that fewer and fewer young people are entering the trades than ever before. I'm aware it's having some impacts. I, I, I know. What I didn't know was that this issue has been an issue for much longer than I thought. See, in my mind, people only started turning away from the trades in the 1990s, probably around the same time that I was being steered away from them. Turns out it was a problem for a while. If Skills Ontario was founded in 1989... That means that the problem was well known long before then. This has turned into a multi-generational issue with multi-generational impacts. Now, there are a myriad of reasons why this has happened, but I think I understand one of the main reasons why this issue is transcending generations. And let me explain with a personal anecdote. I am the grandson of two bricklayers. Actually, I am the grandson of two stonemasons, if I want to be accurate, but moving on. Most parents my grandparents included, want better for their children than they had for themselves. So what did my two bricklaying grandfathers tell their kids to do? Well, my uncle studied civil engineering tech at Mohawk College and built a career in construction. Before he retired, he was designing and building custom-designed monster homes for people and hiring bricklayers himself. Ask him how hard it is to find a good one. And my dad? Well, he went to the University of Rome to study engineering. Now, yes, he dropped out and became a political journalist, but that didn't stop him from encouraging his son to enter the political realm as well. And now here I am, with my honors BA in political science and a certification in corporate communications, talking to all of you through my podcasting skills, which technically I'm not even supposed to have. Parents want what's best for their kids, and that's not a bad thing. But parents, on behalf of myself, Ian Howcroft and Skills Ontario, take another look at the trades. They're offering opportunities, job satisfaction, career stability, the chance to make a living with your hands and your head. Our advanced manufacturing ecosystem needs smart people so we can keep making it in Ontario. And just like that, we are now recording. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Making It in Ontario. Today, I'm chatting with Mr. Ian Howcroft. 
today from Skills Ontario, but uh, his history is, um, I'm going to let him tell us a little bit about himself. Ian, hello. Hello, Nick. How are you? Glad to be here today. I'm, uh, I am well, and I'm very glad to, uh, to actually be chatting with you about this. So we're here today to talk about Skills Ontario. So why don't we start with that and give us a quick, um, tell us what we need to know about Skills Ontario. Well, Skills Ontario's uh, objectives and goals are to promote skilled trades and technology careers to young people. Uh, we've been doing that for over 30 years now. Uh, we all know and we all hear about the shortages of skilled tradespeople, uh, the shortage of uh, career jobs, and uh, Skills Ontario is trying to help address that by letting young people know about what these opportunities are all about. And Skills Ontario has had a great deal of success, but there's still a lot more work to do. So we approach this uh, in a variety of ways uh, and uh, include a variety of audiences to make sure we're getting our message out through the schools, through other opportunities, to make sure young people are aware of all career options that they may be of interest, have interest in and want to pursue. And we try and help them find that way forward. We view ourselves as introducing a variety of career paths and helping students find their way along that to enjoy a, a career that they find rewarding uh, financially successful, and also helps build them as an individual. Right on. Now, Skills Ontario was founded back in 1989. And um, now, obviously, in, in preparation for the interview, I spent a little bit of time on your LinkedIn page. Now, Ian, what can you tell us about what you were up to back in 1989? Well, back in 1989, I had just started uh, work as a policy advisor for a trade association called Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters. I had a, a legal background, but didn't uh, want to pursue uh, or practice law. But I was interested in employment-related issues, labor relations issues, and went to uh, CME, uh, called Canadian Manufacturers Association at the time, and was their employee relations policy advisor for, for several years. And one of the first things I was dealing with, I was asked by the chair of the committee to look into what are the key issues that the committee should be dealing with. And this is in 1989, and I talked to the committee, and the big issue then was a shortage of skilled workers. And I went back to the chair of the committee and said, everybody seems to think that we're dealing with a huge shortage of skilled workers, and they'd like to see us deal with that. And this stuck with me for over 30 years. His response to me was, it is a huge issue. It was a huge issue 10 years ago, and it's going to be an even bigger issue from 10 years from now. But all we do is talk about it. I only have two years as chair of the committee. I want to do something where we're going to make a difference and have an impact. And I don't think dealing with skilled shortages is the way to do that. So here we are over 30 years later, and we're still dealing with a shortage of skilled workers. Uh, I think we've come a long way. I think Skills Ontario uh, found its voice in 1989, has continued to build on that. But there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. And I think we're at a pivot point right now. We're at the point where people are starting to recognize that we have to deal with this right away. We no longer have the luxury of time. Uh, the economy needs to have these skilled workers. Uh, there's a lot of people going to be retiring from the workforce over the next five years, and we don't have a workforce that's ready to take on those positions that are going to be vacated. We already have an, uh, 300,000 vacancies, and we're going to see even more of those uh, in Ontario, but across the country. And it's not unique even to Canada. This is a worldwide phenomenon that we're going through. 300,000 vacancies. That sounds to me like a lot of vac a lot of gaps in tax revenue, productivity. Is that how tell me a little bit about that number. Which way is it going? Bigger, smaller? Well, it's it's gone uh, from a major problem to what could be a, a a an issue that's going to prevent the economy from 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 growing. Uh, we need to have skilled workers. We need to be able to replace the workers that we have. 
and technology is becoming more and more important. So we have to have workers with new skills come into the, the workforce as well. So if we don't deal with this, we're going to hamper uh, economic opportunities, we're going to reduce tax revenues, and we're still in the midst of a huge pandemic, which is having a huge financial impact on Ontario's economy, the Canadian economy, and the world economy. So we need to find all the ways forward to deal with this. I think one thing the pandemic has done, it's shown the importance of some of these careers. Uh, we all, I think, recognize a skilled worker that we need to keep the economy going, to keep us healthy, to keep us safe. Uh, and I think we maybe look at this far differently than we did 18 months ago, particularly with frontline workers, with logistic workers. Uh, we need to have the, the mechanics and the industrial workers there to keep the food shipments going, to keep the economy moving forward. And I think we have an opportunity to build on this to demonstrate what value these workers have to the economy and to the future economy. Skills Ontario today. I've, I, I checked out the website. One of the things that really popped out for me was the competitions. I thought those were really interesting. And I think that what I saw there was there was a huge breadth of, of different kinds of competitions. There was like, there was the full on, you know, millwrights and welders, but then there was also artistic competitions as well. Yeah, we, we, we have uh, 72, I think, discrete competitions when we hold our, our, our normal annual competition. It's the largest skills competition in the country. Uh, prior to the pandemic, we had about 2,500 kids participate, and we had about 40,000 visitors uh, to the, the venue. We used the Toronto Congress Centre, and we have it over two days, with the third day being reserved for our celebration and the award medal uh, awarding ceremony. And as you said, we have a whole variety of photography. We have coding, 2D animation, 3D animation, uh, home building, uh, culinary arts, uh, the, the welding competition, auto painting. You name it, we have it represented there, and uh, it gives the kids an opportunity to have that experiential opportunity if you're competing, but also we have elementary programs for kids coming in to, to see what those opportunities are all about. We have some hands-on kind of try-a-trade activities, so you can have a, a hand at building something, uh, have a, an opportunity to pick up a, a tool and see what it's all about as you start your career exploration. So we have a lot of young people come in, and it could be their first exposure to what these skilled trades and technology career opportunities are all about. And we hope that they have their eyes open and their minds open and they start looking at how they can get engaged with Skills Ontario and how they can get engaged in pursuing a technology a career or a skill trade or getting more information on what those opportunities could lead them to. So on those competitions, and I think I know the answer to this, but um, what's with all the arts competitions doing mixed in with all of the not so arts competition? What's what's happening there? Well, we're trying to make sure that we're providing as many opportunities as possible uh, to, to young people. And uh, the photography, the animation, uh, those are skills that uh, people need to develop and make sure people are aware of these are career opportunities. Uh, gaming, uh, coding, uh, those are up and coming areas that a lot of kids are interested in. So we want to make sure that what we're offering continues to be relevant and continues to resonate with that young audience. So, uh, and, and technology is becoming a, a, an area all, all of its own, but also traditional skilled trades are using more and more technology, introducing more and more technology to how work is done. If you look at uh, a car 50 years ago and a car uh, now, uh, a car is a vehicle where, you know, it holds a bunch of computers. So your skill set's much, much different than it was 50 years ago, 
Uh, there's some basics, obviously, that you have to uh, be able to deal with, but there's a, a lot more that needs to be uh, addressed. And technology is going to play an even more important role as we get into electric vehicles and, and other opportunities. So what we're doing is showcasing these opportunities to young people, introducing them to what the future may hold, and also giving them that experiential opportunity. Try your hand at it. Uh, try and explore what you can do. And it's been interesting to try and provide that experiential opportunity during a pandemic when everything we have to do is virtual. So Skills Ontario has been doing work since 1989. And obviously you guys have generated a lot of thought leadership in that time. Let's talk about industry for a minute and the industry players. What can what, what do they need to know? Because it sounds like, as you mentioned, the issues keep coming up and, you know, the, oh, there's skill shortage here and we can't find this person and we can't find that person. And and, and as you mentioned, they, this has been... This has been happening since at least 1989. What does industry need to know that they're, they don't know? What do they need to do that they're not doing? What's that missing piece? Well, I think it's it sounds easy to be able, should be easy to address the issue and challenges, but it's much more complicated uh, when you get down to what can one do practically. A small business as well, we, we can't afford uh, uh, to introduce an apprenticeship program. We can't afford to do training. Uh, I heard a great line once when someone says, we can't afford to train somebody because if we do, we'll lose them. They'll go to the company down the road to earn three or four or five dollars an hour more. Uh, but somebody said to me also that the only thing worse than training somebody uh, and having them leave is not training them and having them stay because you're not going to realize the full value and the potential of that employee or your workforce unless you're making that investment, unless you're bringing those workers along to deal with the, uh, the, the opportunities and the challenge that you have to deal with. So we have to make sure that companies know how they can get involved, what they can do for training. I think we have uh, some government policies that have been introduced over the years, training tax credits, tool credits. Um, the Ontario government has been a, a longtime supporter of, uh, of Skills Ontario right from the start as has the federal government, but the Ontario government really ramped up its support and partnership with us over the last couple of years. And we've been able to do a lot more to get this message out, to provide that experiential opportunity, to encourage uh, individuals to look at these career paths and also allow us to engage more businesses. Uh, what I wanted to do was showcase the, the competition by more and more businesses out there to show what we're doing and how they can tap into this. How can we make that connection between those that are interested in pursuing a career, that are getting some skills, how do we help them find a, a position, find a company that they can work for, that they can apprenticeship with? And what I think has been really great, some of the great successes that we have with our competition is that uh, you can win a, a gold medal, you can win a scholarship, and in some cases, uh, the gold medal winners are offered a job. So you can leave with a gold medal in one hand and a job offer in the other. We have companies like Magna and Linamar and uh, the Plumbers Union and contractors uh, offering jobs to those that uh, that win a gold medal. So what are we uh, going to do to make sure we're showcasing that and building those opportunities to even greater effect and impact? So, Ian, you've obviously got some experience at the helm now of Skills Ontario. We've talked with companies who are who have these challenges because it sounds like some SMEs have figured this out. Mm -hmm. They've tapped into that pipeline and they're seeing the benefits. Is there, and I don't know if there is, and if you, if you could come up with one, that would be awesome. But like, what sort of like, what are some of the easiest pitfalls that you see a lot of companies falling into? What can they do to avoid getting to that point? And where should they be looking? Well, I, I think that's part of the challenge is that there's so many different moving pieces. Uh, you have the economy growing and there's a shortage of workers. Then you have uh, 
the economy slows down and you have to lay off workers, and maybe uh, the apprentices you've just hired. So there's there's the economic impacts that are having uh, a role to play on this. Uh, and some companies tell us, well, we can't afford to keep people on during the bad times. Some companies say, we're going to make a commitment. And during a slow time, we're going to put these people on doing some projects that we're, we can't accomplish when things are too busy. So we'll, we'll keep that workforce. We want to invest in that workforce so that we have the skilled workers we can pick up in six months or, or, or 12 months. Uh, but we'll also we hear, where do we go to find these workers? How do we make that connection? Uh, how do, how, how do there's a, as I say, there's a lot of moving parts. And that's what we've been trying to do is, how do we act as a hub? How do we help facilitate those that are interested in uh, pursuing a career? We've opened their eyes. We've uh, opened their minds. Now, how do we help them along that career path? And how do we engage more and more companies to look to the Skills Ontario to help provide that solution? The government's been working on this as well with a, a one window opportunity. So you can get all the information that you need uh, when you're interested in a, a skilled trade or hiring a skilled trades person. Uh, they've announced they're creating in the new year uh, Skills Development Ontario uh, to replace the College of Trades, which is being wound down. So I think there's a, an awful lot of things being done right now to help address these longstanding challenges, these longstanding uh, problems. And what Skills Ontario is working on is how can we be a solution provider to help deal with this, to help address the challenges, and to help young people move forward, and to help businesses find the workforce of the future. So while we've been chatting, I just kind of had an interesting idea and a bit of a thought. So, Ian, you mentioned that you are you're, you're a lawyer by trade, right? Like you're trained as a yes. So when you started, when you were working at the Ministry of Labor, you weren't working as a lawyer, were you? No, I was uh, an employment standards officer, going around uh, looking into complaints uh, for uh, violations of the Employment Standards Act. Uh, as I said, I didn't want to practice law, but I was interested in the area of labor relations, human resources, employment issues, which uh, morphed into skills development, labor policy, uh, and uh, dealing with some of the challenges that are impacting productivity. So if we look at Skills Ontario, their CEO now has a bunch of experience and is a pre is also is a lawyer. The question I'm the thing I'm trying to flush out is how do we do that for or can we even do that for the skilled trade sector? So it's like how can we get SMEs to start thinking like that? It's like okay, I'm looking for a millwright. Are you looking for a millwright or are you looking for a smart person that you can train to be a millwright? Well, and I think it's a combination, and it depends on, on what that particular skill trade is. Uh, millwrights are. Uh, great opportunity. They uh, are much in demand, uh, and it takes uh, several years to become a millwright. Uh, so, uh, but that's not the end of one's career either. If you want to be a millwright, you can have a satisfying career doing that. You're happy doing that. That's a great career path. But other people say, well, I'm a millwright. I enjoy my work, but I want to do other things. So many people with a skilled trade uh, background, they say, well, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to hire other skilled trades people so I can keep my hand on the tools, but I can also expand into an entrepreneurial uh, bent uh, that, I, that I have and, and want to, to grow the business, grow my opportunity and grow my, uh, my, my skill set even further. So a skilled trade career can be completely satisfying and you can have a successful uh, life, uh, do really well, but it also opens doors to do other things as well. You know, it's... Uh, we have our director of competitions, uh, a woman named Jennifer Green, uh, and Jennifer is an industrial millwright, and she worked for one of the big auto parts companies as a millwright. Then she went to one of the, the uh, school boards and uh, organized their, uh, their construction and maintenance, 
and she was a gold medal winner at Skills Ontario and a silver medal winner at the national competition and had been a longtime volunteer. And she decided to change her career and come on board uh, Skills Ontario about three years ago to help promote skill trades, to, to, to become a role model and a mentor for, for girls and young women that may be pursuing these careers. And uh, she's been doing a great job for us. And uh, she's still an industrial millwright, uh, but she has uh, decided that she wants to do other things to leverage her skill set and make sure other girls, young women, uh, and boys and young men are aware of what these opportunities are all about. So that's what we're, we're trying to do. And uh, we do have special programming for, for girls and young women, for Indigenous youth, uh, and uh, persons with exceptionalities. We have a, a new uh, program uh, and a new position, our manager of diversity, equity, inclusivity, to make sure that we're getting out to, again, as many audiences as we can, to be as inclusive as we can, because there's many underrepresented groups in the skilled trades. And with the shortage we have, we want to make sure we're tapping into the entire uh, skills pool that's out there. That's an excellent point, actually, and I'm glad you brought that up. So a job in manufacturing, a career in manufacturing can provide a lot of those things, uh, personal stability, economic independence, and all of that good stuff. We know that, you know that, I know that, our listeners probably know that as well. So let's talk a little bit about how Skills Ontario is getting these opportunities out to the individual communities. Uh, you mentioned the, let, let's talk a little bit about how, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Indigenous outreach, because I think that's a great, um, I think manufacturing is an excellent vehicle for for prosperity. How can we get more people from the Indigenous community involved? And, and we have, as I say, uh, focused uh, outreach and programming for, for Indigenous youth. Uh, we have trade and tech days. We go into the schools. We work with uh, the uh, the band councils and other groups representing Indigenous youth to make sure that we're able to promote skilled trades opportunities to as many people a a as we can. Uh, we have uh, FNMI program that uh, that reports into our diversity inclusivity program, uh, and, and again, we're trying to build on that. We did uh, an Indigenous community uh, project uh, late summer, early fall, where we're helping young people build community gardens so that uh, they can have their hands to uh, on tools and uh, build a garden that would have a, a legacy opportunity too, to be able to grow food for uh, for the future. So what we're trying to do is give that experiential hands-on opportunity to young people where they feel they're creating something, they're able to try something and explore opportunities they might not otherwise have if it wasn't for Skills Ontario providing that, promoting that and working with them to uh, be aware of these opportunities. So yeah, I'm gonna talk about myself for a sec. There's a small part of me that feels like I missed an opportunity. I went to school for political science, got an honors BA, did a certification in corporate communications. And all the while, I here I am acquiring skills in photography. I'm acquiring skills in audio engineering. But the photography and the audio, and the audio engineering skills, going back into the parental discussion, me in my 20s, I was told, hey, you're in university. Quit screwing around with that camera. Stop, stop messing around with, with, with audio. Wait, you're going to be a recording artist. You're going to be a producer. No, but yet here I am. Look what I'm doing right now. I'm recording a podcast. So when I was young, I worked for, don't judge me, but I, I actually sold cars. So I love cars. I'm, I am immensely passionate about cars. And my favorite times were when I would walk through the shop, look at the mechanics and the technicians, look at what they were doing. And I would learn from them so much so that I now do my own brakes on my car. I am perfectly comfortable doing that. And I feel like my experience and my 
attraction to working with your hands while simultaneously being discouraged to work with your hands is not unique. And I feel like if I had just been put an opportunity in front of me, it's like, hey, you know, if you want to, if you want to work with your hands, here's the technician program and you can do this and you can work with your hands all day. How do we get, how do we avoid losing someone to the skilled trades? Like they lost, let's say me. Well, and I think that's a, that's a really good point, Nick. And uh, the skilled trades allow you to, to work with your hands, but we also have to make sure people are aware you're also working with your head. Yes. Uh, the two go hand in hand. You're not just working with your, your, your hands. You're working also with your head. There's a lot of complexities, a lot of knowledge, a, a lot of work that goes into becoming a skilled trades person. So you need to have math skills. You need to have science skills. You need to be able to do a lot of other things that involve thinking, uh, but you're also able to build something, to create something with, with your hands as well. So I, I think some people, some parents are focused on, uh, well, just working with your hands is not good. They don't realize that it's not just your hands. You're working with your head, you're being creative, and it's a full career uh, that you can pursue and explore. And we have to get that message out to, to more audiences, to, to more parents, more groups. And we've been working with that. We did probably more outreach to parents throughout last year, and the pandemic required us to be virtual. But that also allowed us to have virtual programming for parents in the evening. So we could get to several hundred parents and let them know about these opportunities, what Skills Ontario is doing and why we're doing this. These are the career opportunities that you need to be aware of for your kids. Don't just encourage them to go to university because you think that's best. Look at what could be best. Look at what those opportunities are for your kids and encourage them to pursue something that will allow them to be successful in a career that gives them the compensation, the monetary rewards they need, but also something that allows them to build and continue to grow on their career path. What are some of the key messages that we got to deliver to these parents? Well, our, our messaging uh, to parents is that these are uh, career opportunities that young people should be aware of and that you should be uh, also be made aware of so that you understand that, so that you're giving your kids the best advice possible for their careers. Again, you want to make sure that uh, young people have the whole array of opportunities that they can look at and see. Um, not, again, not everybody wants to be a millwright, but if you're not exposed to what a millwright does or what those opportunities are, you're not even going to consider that. There's a lot of people that would be very good millwrights, but probably didn't pursue that because they weren't even aware of it. So what we're trying to do is make sure our message is getting out to the young people, the schools, uh, the educators, but also the parents and the businesses so that it gets as broadly uh, known as possible. We did the events for, for parents. We did family skill nights uh, as well. We did some... Uh, partnered with, uh, with some of our, our, our organizations that uh, work with us. We got out there, we did family movie night. So we had kind of some themed movies and we'd send out a, a kit so that the family could build something to, uh, uh, to, to co go along with a, a theme movie on um, auto or motive power or uh, construction technology. So what we're trying to do is make sure that parents aren't limiting their kids' opportunities because they think this is, the, this is the career path they should go, but it's broadening their horizon so that they can look at what's going to make the most sense and provide the kids, uh, their kids, the, the most uh, beneficial opportunity for a, for a career path moving forward. So we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into COVID-19. Once the pandemic hit, and you mentioned this a little earlier on, we kind of got a real rude awakening as to the importance of things like supply chains, the, the skilled trades. What, how has that or has that affected some of your and Skills Ontario's um, initiatives, activities? How has that changed anything? Have you had to pivot in any different way? 
Well, well, I guess the way that we get our messaging out caused us to change dramatically. I mean, we, we used to do all, everything in person. We'd go into the schools and give a presentation. We'd go uh, to, uh, to um, a gathering of young people and host an event, uh, a conference, uh, a skills event uh, in person. We weren't able to do that during the pandemic. So we had to find creative ways to get to that message. So we continue to work with the schools and the teachers were uh, trying to develop new ways that they could teach their, their students online. So we also had to do that to make our presentations online. So we had great relationships with the uh, school boards in Ontario, the education community with OYAP, uh, with uh, Aki. These are groups that promote apprenticeship and skill trades to uh, the young people. So we were able to quickly uh, develop the online version of our presentation and get that message out. Uh, we also decided to kids uh, before they were even on their online school courses, they were at home. So what could we do to help parents deal with that? Many parents were home. That's where we started introducing programming for, for parents as well. And what about that hands-on opportunity? Well, we developed some kits. So we had uh, workshops so that you could use some uh, uh, activities at home, uh, building on simple things that many households already have in, 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 the, in their house. So they could try to have that experiential opportunity. So we found creative ways to uh, make sure we got the message out there and found ways to engage it. We did uh, uh, in 2020 and 2020, uh, 2021, we're planning for going back to in-person, but we need. We also look forward to getting back to that in-person event. But we're ready to offer our skilled competition virtually again if we have to this year, but we're hoping that we can do that in-person because there's certain things you can do in-person that you can't do uh, virtually. But we also learned that we're going to continue to offer much of what we do virtually. We have the largest young women's conference in the country. 2,000 girls and young women come out to it and we hold it in concert with our skills competition. Uh, earlier this year, we had a virtual girls and young women's competition. In fact, we had two. We did one in English and we did one in French and we had 8,000 participants, uh, which is four times greater than what we have in person. So we wanna do the in-person ones, but we're gonna complement that with virtual opportunities. We can get to broader audiences, we can get to more geographically dispersed audiences, and we can make sure that we're engaging as many people as possible that may not be able to come to an in-person event, may not be able to participate in an in-person event, but they can get to uh, a virtual event or take advantage of uh, some of the recordings that we've done. We started our own podcast to make sure we're, again, tapping into the expertise of our, our, our partners and our graduates, alumni, to highlight what these skill trade opportunities and technology career opportunities are all about. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, with Skills Ontario. And uh, Dan Cardinal is, uh, is our host of that. And he uh, interviews uh, skilled trades people uh, and the uh, small businesses and a variety of uh, opportunities from auto repair to uh, he did uh, uh, one for, uh, for Indigenous youth and Indigenous opportunities. So we try and cover what we're doing uh, as our core business, but we're trying to also make sure that the podcast is out there and it's on, uh, you can download it from, uh, from uh, Apple. Uh, and uh, we're, we're really pleased with the, the success that we've had with that. Excellent. Great minds and all that. Yes. yes. <laughs> so what do you see right now as sort of an obstacle? And I use obstacle because I can't think of another word for it, but like what, what are your next sort of challenges that you're looking to tear down? Well, I guess I, I wouldn't say tear down, it's build up. And, and I think uh, we've had a great deal of success, but how do we move that to the next level? How do we continue to grow? 
Uh, we get in front of tens of thousands of students uh, every year, but how do we take that to hundreds of thousands in our in-school presentations and to the two million students that, that are there? Uh, we've had great success. Our, our metrics are wonderful, but I think there's still a lot more that can be done, a lot more that needs to be done, and a lot more that will be done as, as we move forward. And when I came to Skills Ontario, I talked about what I called the, our three C's, and that's cooperation, coordination, and collaboration. How do we work with other groups? How do we find like-minded partner groups that want to work with us to promote skill trades and deal with these challenges from a solutions-based approach? And that's what we've been able to do. We found many groups that are like-minded, want to deal with this, and I think we can have a lot more impact by synergistically finding a way forward to deal with the skills challenges by developing skill solutions from a holistic perspective. So Ian, a little bit more about you. Aside from your work with Skills Ontario, you're also one of our board members. Yes, yes. Uh, and I appreciate being on, uh, on the, the Trillium board. Again, my background was in, in manufacturing. Uh, I, I think manufacturing is an extremely important part of the economy. Uh, and I was, I was at the, the Manufacturers Association for almost 30 years, uh, dealing with a whole variety of, uh, of issues and opportunities, and it was great. I was probably in more manufacturing facilities than almost anybody in Ontario for, for quite a while there. I probably got to visit over a thousand different uh, manufacturing uh, sites in, in, in my career there, going to see what someone was doing, uh, talking with, uh, with uh, the production folks, talking with the HR folks, talking with uh, what the challenges are and how we as an organization, CME, could, could help solve those problems. So I still have a great passion for manufacturing. I was very pleased to be able to participate on the, on the Trillium board as we deal with, uh, with manufacturing and advanced manufacturing. So uh, thanks for, uh, for recognizing that, Nick. Happy to. Um, actually, and you just mentioned something now. You've visited, you mentioned like thousands of companies. Is that correct? Over a thousand over my, my over time thousand? there. Yeah. So I know that from my seat and be from behind this microphone, the, let's say, dozen or so companies that I've had a chance to speak to, they have educated me a great deal. So just from, from when Nick started at Trillium to when now Nick is talking with Ian, Nick has learned a lot, and I can only imagine what you must have seen over your over a thousand visits to these companies. Um, after my few visits, I was able to kind of come up with, I noticed a few patterns. After a few podcasts, I realized that Ontario manufacturers, there are a few common patterns that they all kind of follow. What sorts of patterns did you notice in your visit to over a thousand companies? I think it was the creativity and uh, the commitment to uh, continuous improvement and, and what they could do to make sure that they still had their customers. I mean, people talk, uh, you know, we have to improve productivity, we have to deal with the economic challenges, and the way you do that is delivering uh, customer success. Not just customer satisfaction, but customer success. How are you able to help your customer move forward by exceeding their expectations? And I always enjoyed uh, going to the manufacturing uh, companies, uh, oftentimes we'd have a, a roundtable so uh, we could share ideas so that the company was there highlighting what they were doing in a variety of areas, whether it was an HR or productivity, lean manufacturing su success they've had, but also we we're just sharing amongst the, uh, the others that were there so that they could also benefit from that too. So I guess what I thought was really neat was the, uh, the interest in sharing information and helping manufacturers uh, as a community, helping, how do we uh, not just compete amongst ourselves, but how does Ontario manufacturing as a sector compete against the world 
and deal with the global challenge that we're having. And I think we're seeing more of that. Again, with the pandemic, we have to focus on what's going to help Ontario get through this and have economic growth. And I think there's been a real challenge with uh, PPE. Uh, you know, we didn't have a steady supply of Ontario made PPE when the pandemic started. We're looking at that a lot differently now than we were back then. How do we make sure that we have a vaccine, vaccine production in Ontario and Canada? So what, what do we need to do to make sure manufacturing continues to be vitally important to the Ontario economy? And I, I believe that it is. And I think uh, what we were trying to do when we were at CME was to make sure people understood how important manufacturing was. It too has changed dramatically. And a lot of people had a lot of negative images about manufacturing because they had some outdated uh, ideas, some outdated images, and manufacturing has changed dramatically over the last 20 years, over the last 10 years, over the last five years, and it will continue to if they're going to be successful. So Ian, I want to thank you very much for your insights, for your time, and for your continued leadership. I'm looking forward to when we can uh, chat again. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate the opportunity and thanks for allowing me to highlight some of the things that Skills Ontario is uh, working on and looking forward to delivering as we move forward. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Ian. Thank you very much.